0: Hello witches, diviners, and cosmic beings. I'm your host, Laurel, and welcome to the Simply Witchery podcast, where we discuss witchery, ritual, the divine, and magic of all sorts. This week, I'm giving an introduction to shadow work. I'll give you my best tips for getting started, explain the principles of shadow work, and talk about the five main categories of study. Next, I'll move into the meditation station, where we'll briefly discuss the minor arcana affirmation meditations for the cups and wands. Then, it's tarot time, where I do a reading for the collective and a lucky listener. Stay tuned. Shadow work is the process of facing our shadow self. The shadow self is the part of ourselves in our psyche that we are unaware of or consider to be negative and or undesirable in some way and therefore repress it. Every aspect of the self has a shadow and when we do shadow work we challenge both the internal and external narrative in order to expand. That's the core of shadow work and when we integrate shadow work into our practices, it opens the door for huge growth and self-knowledge. It challenges us to see the objective truth in reality instead of the illusions that we impose on ourselves, as well as the illusions that are sold to us by the people, society, and culture around us. It challenges us to look at our whole selves without expectation or judgment and to change what we see for the better. Shadow work requires a willingness to look at, unwind, and understand the things we don't like about ourselves. But it also challenges the things we place value on and see as positive qualities, too. Biases of all kinds must be challenged, and their sources must be found and understood. It is therefore not something one should just leap into blindly shadow work is difficult and honestly oftentimes painful work to do you have to be willing to feel the contractions that shadow work will cause and trust that the work will be worth it in the end trust me though learning more about yourself is always worth it self-knowledge will better every aspect of your life The more you know and understand yourself, the better you will be able to handle any situation that life throws at you. If you're ready and able to put aside bias as much as is possible and are ready to look at yourself and life, I can't recommend shadow work enough. All that said, let's start off with a few key things that I think are really important in regards to shadow work first off i got started doing shadow work when i found a challenge by unmasking the divine on tumblr they also have an instagram and i'll link their accounts in the notes but they seem inactive these days which is so unfortunate they have made such wonderful amazing content that has really helped me reshape my life and heal a lot of trauma The way I teach shadow work is influenced by the 31 day challenge that they put together. Be sure to check out their tumblr even if they are inactive. It has a ton of great resources on shadow work and I really recommend doing the 31 day challenge. 2. Journaling is absolutely a must when doing shadow work. Journaling throughout the process allows you to have the perspective you need in order to be able to look back and see your progress. It is also important to keep receipts on your thoughts and feelings so that you can recognize patterns and understand what you believe so that you can figure out why you believe it. So write everything down. Three, as you listen to this episode and as you ask yourself each question that I pose to you, remember that you should always be asking why. Seek to find the root of the answers you find. For example, this is a line of questions and answers that I went on when I confronted a part of my shadow that always wants to be rescued. I first asked why. Why do I want to be rescued? I want to be rescued because I don't believe I can save myself. Why do I believe I can't save myself? Because I believe myself to be a weakling and a failure. What taught me to have this belief? During my formative years, I was told that I was a failure. Nothing I ever did was good enough for the person who was supposed to be my protector, and I internalized his lies and toxicity and formed the belief that I would always fail. Is this belief based in fact? No. I was a child still learning how to be an adult and struggling with the painful loss of my nurturer, other traumatic experiences, and mental illness on top of the regular growing pains of childhood. Furthermore, no one is perfect, and it was his flawed perspective and expectations that wanted me to be so. Mistakes are made all the time, and there is nothing inherently bad about making them. I am not a failure or weak. In fact, there is a perspective that would say that I am strong and successful. Regardless, my value should not be placed in how successful I am at arbitrary expectations from parental figures, society, and culture. My value is inherent because I am a living person. 4. Keep in mind that it took me years to follow this line of questioning to where I am with it now, and I am certain that my work with it is not done. It will evolve as I continue to uncover layers of my shadow and heal the wounds of my psyche. I'm at a point with this piece of my shadow where I am trying to integrate it into my light or higher self. This could be something I struggle with for another year, a decade, or for the rest of my life, but the knowledge that this belief is baseless in and of itself allows me the space to seek different perspectives on my self-worth and take the power away from my wounded ego that cries to be saved by someone else by being aware of the fact that I can and will save myself. Five, I also want to point out that dealing with ego is also a big part of shadow work, as the ego is the self-serving voice in our psyche. It is very important that you have the right view of your ego before you struggle with it. The ego is not inherently bad or negative. It is, in fact, an important part of our minds that helps us protect and understand ourselves. The problem with ego is not that it exists. The problem with ego comes when we allow ego to inform every decision we make and be the driving force of our lives. The goal with ego is not to suppress it fully or to kill it off. We must learn to control our ego instead of allowing it to control us. Keep that in mind. 6. Tarot is a great way to gain insight on each of the aspects of your shadow. I pull a card at the end of every shadow work session to check and see if I'm missing anything that I need to consider, or if I need a different perspective on the situation. Sometimes, the tarot will say things that I do not like, and that in itself helps inform my next step of the process. Sometimes, I just get confirmation that I'm in alignment with the aspect I'm dealing with, and have a clear view. It's always valuable advice regardless of my initial perception of its positivity or negativity. I recommend using your favorite deck to help out as well. 7. Remember that the things that you see in a positive light are just as important as the negative experiences. Positive experiences create a shadow just as much as negative ones do. So be aware of how positive feelings and experiences affect you as you move forward as well. For example, my experience growing up in regards to my siblings was a positive one. We had, and still have for the most part, strong and wonderful relationships, and we helped each other survive our shared trauma. However, these positive formative relationships grew an unhealthy, overprotective, overly self-sacrificial attachment to them, which I am still in the process of unwinding years down the line. Be sure to take things like this into account when you come to parts of your life that seem happy and healthy to you. It's possible that your positive experiences don't require you to make any changes. You may be comfortable with the sacrifices you make for others. The point is, you need to be aware of your instinct to sacrifice. It doesn't mean it's an instinct that you need to curb if it's not harming you. 9. Take it slow. Shadow work can't be done in a day or a week or even a year. Shadow work is a lifelong process. You'll pick it up and put it down over and over again as you grow and change because of it. Enjoy the journey, no matter where it takes you or how long it takes you to get there. Lastly, number 10. As always, I'm just giving you a starting point and my personal experiences here today. Shadow work may work in a totally different way for you, and that's okay. Experiment with your approach to the shadow and discard anything that doesn't serve you. The point of shadow work is to work with your shadow. Do that in whatever way you need to to be effective. I'll start off by sharing with you what I believe are the five general areas to consider when doing shadow work. Formative experiences, driving external forces, driving internal forces, external beliefs and values, and internal beliefs and values. These five categories sum up the entire human experience fairly well. I'll be giving an overview of the categories. In the next episode, Shadow Work Part 2, I'll get more specific and break down the categories further. So let's get started. The best starting point, in my opinion, is at the beginning, with our formative experiences. In this category, you'll take a look at your childhood and young adulthood. Hearing you'll want to ask yourself questions like, What did the adults that raised me value? What did they expect from me as a child and into adolescence and adulthood? What did they consciously teach me about life? Who nurtured me emotionally? Who physically provided for me? Where there was an abundance of care, how did that shape me? Where there was a lack of care. How did that shape me? What effect did having siblings or the lack thereof have on me? What did other children that surrounded me teach me? Next, we move on to driving external forces. These are the things outside of ourselves that shape the way we view the world, other people, and ourselves as a part of the collective. Here we ask, How did the things that my parents unconsciously value affect me? What were the big events in my young life? How did these events shape how I see myself and the world around me? What presence did religion have in my life? How did this inform my view of myself and the world? What kind of culture did I grow up in? How did the values of my culture affect me? Did I accept or reject the values of my culture? What kind of society did I grow up in? How did society affect my view of myself and the world around me? Did I accept or reject the values of society? For me, there is a whole lot of trauma in my early life and formative experiences, so I've spent a lot of time with these two categories in particular. It took me so long to just lay all of it out in front of me and name it, never mind start unwinding the consequences of it. I'm still working on healing, and I imagine that it will take at least a decade or two more. The wounds of trauma were inflicted on me over a span of 25 years. I've come to accept that it will take as long, if not longer, to heal them. We all need to accept that if we want to successfully integrate parts of our shadow. The third category is driving internal forces. The driving forces in our external world shape the narrative of our internal world. Your relationship with these things brings up questions like, What do I fear and why am I afraid of it? Does my ego control me or do I control my ego? What can I learn from the response that my ego has to life? What am I attracted to and put value on in people and experiences? Why do I value these things, and what taught me to value them? What do I dislike, avoid, or hate about people and experiences? Why do I hate these things, and what taught me to hate them? What things do I do habitually? What cycles am I consistently going through over and over again? How do these habits and cycles affect me mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually? For me, I couldn't deal with the first two categories without also dealing with this one. When I began shadow work, I was just barely breaking out of the conditioning of my family, brainwashing of my religion, and the paralysis caused by my many, many fears. All of these things were ingrained in me as fact during my formative years, and you will have taught truths as well. For this category, though, instead of accepting what outside forces taught you, you are now required to examine what you've internalized and start ripping up the foundations where it's needed. As if accepting trauma wasn't hard enough for me, I also had to take responsibility for myself and my actions. I want to be very, very, very clear here. No one is responsible for the actions of another person. No matter what was done to you or what bullshit reason the person who did it had, trauma is never, ever, ever. victim's fault. No one asks for trauma with their actions or personality or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. To illustrate what I mean, let me give you an example. I am not responsible for the religious brainwashing that was inflicted on me by my religious teachers and family. However, I am responsible for the years of life that I wielded Christianity like a weapon because of that brainwashing. I said horrible shit to people in the name of God, a savior complex, and a twisted view of love. And that is on me. I've taken steps to apologize and heal wounds I caused in those years. I cannot excuse myself for hurting others because I was being hurt. A bully is a bully, even if they say they love you while they're hurting you. Taking responsibility here is important. Place the blame where it belongs, even if it's with yourself. Once you accept that you weren't always a shining example of morality and justice, you can then start being a better person. This, of course, assumes that anyone really is totally moral and just. If you ever find a paragon of virtue that was like that from the get, let me know. I'd love to see it. I don't believe that they exist in humanity. To be human is to be flawed. The point of life is to leave the world better than you started, both inside and out. Now we turn to the self and your relationship with the world around you in your external beliefs and values. Ask yourself why you want the things you want. Why do you value the things you value? What patterns can be found in your thoughts, self-talk, and snap judgments? What do you believe in and how does it cause you to take action? What do you know to be true in life? What gives your life direction and meaning? What do you desire above all else? Why? Once I got through the first three categories, I already had many of the answers to these questions and only needed to dive deeper with them and spend time changing what I chose to value. This section often requires a person to reprogram their thoughts. This can be a pretty difficult thing to do, even though the process of changing things isn't all that complicated. First, just start by paying attention to your thoughts. Be aware of how you think about things and what snap judgments you make and how your thoughts and judgments affect your actions and feelings as you move through the day. Once you have awareness, you can start challenging thought patterns, and as you challenge them, you can change them. An example from my personal shadow work is how I deal with paralyzing fear. I suffer from anxiety, and for a long time, anxiety dominated my life. I was afraid of failure and the punishment that I expected to receive because of failure. I believed that I was incapable of succeeding, and so it was useless to even try doing anything. It paralyzed me and kept me trapped in an abusive home life for a long time. I began with awareness. I listened to my thoughts when I got overwhelmed and panicked. Once I understood that the anxiety was merely trying to protect me from pain, I was able to develop a self-talk script to soothe the fear so that I could move past it and get shit done. My anxiety assumes that the panic I feel means I'm dying. And let's be real, that's what anxiety attacks and dissociative episodes feel like. I still catch myself thinking, oh my god, I'm going to die in moments of anxiety. Now I have the tools to say in response, no, you're not going to die. You are safe and protected and you can handle this moment. How do you deal with this thing in front of you? Break it down into small steps and it won't be so scary. Three years ago, before I had this script, I couldn't have done anything that I do today. I couldn't have a podcast, a tarot business, or even a social media presence. This is just a small part of the growth that I've achieved by working in this area. Finally, come your internal beliefs and values. These are the things that you interact with on an internal and personal level. The questions to ask here are, what do you value in a relationship? What do you think you offer to a relationship? What do you base your view and expectations of others in? What standards do you hold yourself to in a relationship? What do you project onto others? Are you rejecting qualities about yourself that you don't find value in? What do you believe you bring to a relationship that is of value to others? What qualities do you value within yourself and why? What truths guide you through life? These values can be very difficult to face because they are so often tied to our identity. Objectivity is never more important than here where we examine such deeply ingrained and long-held beliefs. On my personal journey, I found that the categories before this one had also given me many of the answers to these questions, and it was again just a matter of unpacking the answers. So those are the five categories and some of the questions that they prompt. You have spent a lot of time going over them, and now you've figured out where you want to make changes. Now what? Now you start a process that is called integration or light work. Light work is the process of internalizing what you've learned and bringing that layer of shadow to the light. Basically, you're taking steps to become conscious of the things that you were previously unconscious of. I sort of mentioned how you do this when I talked about my personal experience with changing my thought process. It all starts with awareness. If you are aware of a problem, you can change it. With awareness comes understanding and intuition and the source Will bring the steps you need to take to you if you ask for them. This is also not a thing that happens overnight. Integration can take even longer than creating an understanding of your shadow can. Be kind to yourself and give yourself permission to mess up and have setbacks. This is a normal and natural part of growing and learning. And those are the basics of shadow work. In two weeks I'll be posting shadow work part two where I'll go deeper into detail on the five categories and break them down even further. Let me know if you have any questions about shadow work i'd love to hear your thoughts next up is the meditation station since i took a little break between episodes to get this episode out there are two meditations in the feed since the last meditation station you can find them wherever you listen to the podcast and on the simply witchery youtube channel the cups symbolize the element of water and deal with our emotions They speak to it all, from joy to sorrow and the entire spectrum of love, from romantic to platonic and beyond. We look to the cups to understand our feelings, to gain insight on how those feelings are affecting our lives, and to manage our feelings effectively. This meditation will help you connect to your feelings in a meaningful and positive way in every aspect of life. Listen to it when you're feeling emotionally fragile and need to gain insight on how to lean into your relationships. The wands are the representation of fire energy in the minor arcana. They speak to our passion, ambition, and the drive to do and be. They guide us on the path to creation and completion and give practical advice and insight on how to get what we want by touching our own power. Do this meditation when you need a boost of confidence to reconnect with your intuition and a reminder that all the power you need is within you already. Something I didn't talk about with the major arcana meditation is how an affirmation meditation works. These types of meditation gives you an affirmation that you can either internalize into your practice and spirit or externalize by projecting your desire to the universe. Either way, the power of the affirmation realigns you by tangibly or spiritually attracting that power into your life. By speaking the affirmation over your life, you invite its truth in and create opportunity for synchronicity. These types of meditations are perfect for those that don't have a lot of time or who struggle with reaching a meditative state. Let me know if you want any specific affirmation meditations. I have a few in the works, but I'd love to know what you'd like to see. Next, we're moving on to tarot time. This week, I felt called to pull three cards for the collective from the Everyday Tarot. If you'd like to see pictures of the cards, check out the Simply Witchery blog. I will also describe them here. I pulled Strength, the Eight of Cups, and the Ace of Swords. Strength depicts a woman embracing a lion. She has three flowers adorning her chest and an infinity sign holding her hair up in a bun. Mountains can be seen below her and clouds above. She looks down toward the mountain and her companion looks up at her. The Eight of Cups depicts a person walking away from eight cups that are set in the foreground of the card. He walks along a body of water that separates him from a path that goes into the mountains. A crescent moon glows in the sky above. The Ace of Swords pictures a hand that holds a sword with the tip pointing upwards. A crown rests near the top, and leafy vines are stranded through the crown. This week, the Collective is called to lean into self-confidence and discipline as we begin a new journey. Our mind is our greatest strength as we move forward. We must be determined to walk in truth and honesty in order to find victory and peace at the end of this path. The journey may be long, so be sure to pace yourself. Endurance is needed and it won't do to use up all your energy right out the gate. I hope that this reading resonates with you and that these words lead you to a place of joy and prosperity. All right, this week's listener question comes from Instagram. The listener asked, What does tomorrow bring? I felt called to pull three cards from the Ostara Tarot for you. I pulled the King of Wands, the Four of Pentacles, and Temperance. I'll describe the cards first, as they have a united message for you this time around. The King of Wands depicts a buck. He bears a wand as he moves forward through nature. An ever-burning fire crowns him along with his antlers. The Four of Pentacles depicts a hare that has just begun a journey. There is an eye patch over one of its eyes, Two pentacles adorn one ear, and two more are worn around its neck. It sits in a ship that contains a bounty of treasures, and it looks forward to the horizon as it leaves a great city behind. Finally, Temperance shows a young feminine person sitting on the grass at the center of the card. They are adorned with flowers in their dark hair and jewels around their neck. They hold a box that is slightly open, and from it pours animals of prey and their predators. The prey animals rise up in a cloud of green and the predators flow downwards along the ground in a blue wave. Tomorrow you step into your own power and gain the bounty of the world as you do. Temperance will guide you to balance and a great merging of energies and ideas within you. You have a huge passion that needs to be shared with the world and share it you shall by being honest with yourself about yourself and taking the necessary steps you need to share your journey with others. I'm feeling such a huge potential and so much excitement from the source for you and what's coming into your life. The source has your back in a really meaningful way, and the path you walk is the one to your highest good and calling. I'm excited for you, my dear listener, and I hope that this reading helps in some small way to propel you into this bright and wonderful future. And that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and ratings and reviews would be greatly appreciated. If you would like a transcript of the episode, please visit our blog at simplywitchery.wixsite.com. You can find daily oracle readings, magical tips, and spiritual musings at Simply Witchery on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our YouTube channel for guided meditations and lots of other magical goodness. If you'd like to receive a reading for yourself on a future episode, please send your question to simplywitchery at gmail.com or send me a direct message on any of my socials. The music in this episode is Where Was I by Lee Rosevere. Love and light to each and every one of you, and I'll see you next time. Bye!